Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Could these study results apply to your life? If you or a loved one are living with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, take a look at the data for a clinical study where 50% of eligible people with HER2-positive MBC lived over two years without their tumors growing or spreading. Visit HER2Results.com to learn more. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to. Oh, uh, mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, mom. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. This is the Greg Peterson experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. On VSIN, the sports betting network. It is the Greg Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. And we've got it all tonight. We've got a reverse cover that we need to recap in Monday Night Football. We need to talk about an interesting college basketball game that had a middle and with that, we're going to be turning it forward to Tuesday. We're going to be turning it forward to week 11 of the NFL season as well. And to do so, we are joined by our normal NFL panel here in about 15 minutes as Ben Brown. He does a great job over at Pro Football Focus and Matt Landis of the Props and Ops podcast. They're going to be joining me. We're going to get some takeaways from them as to what was a insane week in week 10 of the NFL. One that saw the lone undefeated team in football go down. So, We've got a lot to talk about there, and then spring it forward to week 11. We are going to be talking in hour number two a little bit about the Pac-12. We're going to be taking a look at the Pac-12 football with Danielle Avari, one of the VEASAN contributors here, and someone that has Pac-12 bleeding through her veins, as she is someone that is actually a, I believe, in-studio or a in-stadium play-by-play slash just announcer for UCLA, so she is going to be joining me. We're going to have some fun there in a Pac-12 that has been just wild and crazy all season long. And then our number three, Tanner Kern. He's over there at Forbes. He's going to be joining me. We're going to be talking some football with him. So we've got a great guest list on tap. And we've had a just tremendous NFL season, in my opinion, and one that just got a little bit wonkier. The old 72 Dolphins. They're able to pop the champagne because they are still the lone undefeated team in the history of the NFL. If the Eagles win the Super Bowl, They will do so with at least one loss. 
Commanders take them down by kind of 32 to 21. And with the Commanders, it's just been really interesting to take a look at them this season as they didn't get a ton of production out of Taylor Heineke, 17 of 29. But just with them being able to move the ball on the ground, they were able to get it done if you took both of the props with Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson because I remember both of their props were right around like 33, 34, 35 and a half rushing yards, somewhere in that neighborhood, depending upon where you shopped. Both of them were able to get through, and that's really been the key this year in the NFL. We can talk about these quarterbacks and just how big an effect they have on their team, no doubt about it. Josh Allen has been able to do great work with the Buffalo Bills. You've been able to get a whole lot out of someone like a Jalen Hurts, for instance, who is out there for the Philadelphia Eagles, but it just continues to be tried and true. It feels like in the NFL, you don't need a guy to go out there get you 450 yards. You don't need a guy to throw for five touchdowns, anything like that. It's great that Patrick Mahomes is able to do what he's doing, and he's a -a one-of-a-kind quarterback, one of the best that we've really ever seen. But that said, you don't really need that to be successful in the NFL. You take a look at the teams that are currently sitting there at the top. The Eagles, despite the loss, they're the top team in the NFC right now, though. They are right there with the... Minnesota Vikings, a Vikings team that they've got a quarterback in Kirk Cousins that has been, shall we say, much maligned in recent years with the Vikings, by the way. Their lone loss has come to the Philadelphia Eagles, but in the NFC right now, excuse me, in the NFC right now, your top teams, I'm getting all choked up, just taking a look at the fact that the top quarterbacks, they haven't necessarily been towards the top because the top three records out there, you've got Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles, who has in my opinion, fortified himself as a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I know that there are some that they would like to see a little bit more, but he's been able to do a solid job. Kirk Cousins, I would put him just outside the top 10 personally, just outside. He's sort of on that fringe, but he's by no means a scrub of a quarterback. By no means is he lighting the world on fire. And then you've got, then you've got Daniel Jones over there with the New York Giants at seven and two. He's certainly not a top 15 quarterback in my opinion. And then, down towards the bottom, teams like the Green Bay Packers, teams like the Los Angeles Los Angeles Rams, teams that you'd expect coming into the season to have great quarterbacks. I think that Matthew Stafford being a little bit exposed, but I mean, those are teams that are struggling. Meanwhile, in the AFC, you've got someone like Ryan Tannehill slash Malik Willis for the Tennessee Titans. No doubt about it. I think that Tua Tagovailoa along with Lamar Jackson, these guys are the future. And then Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, but... You just take a look around the league. These elite quarterbacks are not what is needed to be able to win in the same age of the NFL. And I think that we're just noticing teams are able to consistently run the ball. That is so critical because you even take a look at Tua. No doubt about it. He's been an efficient passer, but he's got a good ground game. That's helping him out. That trade deadline acquisition of Jeff Wilson. That is proving to be very significant for them. We saw the trade deadline acquisition of the 49ers picking up Christian McCaffrey. That is going to be big for them and Jimmy G moving forward. And as we always talk about quarterbacks, how much are they going to be airing it out? Who's going to be throwing for north of 4,500 yards this season? It's really something that you want to talk about in terms of just the ground game. Who's able to get it done? Because you take a look at the guys that are at the top of the rushing yards list right now, and you've got a few outliers. Josh Jacobs is currently playing for the Las Vegas Raiders, and you got that going on. But Dalvin Cook, a top-10 running back in terms of rushing yards. Under the radar, Miles Sanders has put up a really nice season for the Philadelphia Eagles. When you combine him along with Jalen Hurts, these guys have been able to do a terrific job 
a big reason why the Dallas Cowboys are having the success that they are. It's based on Tony Pollard, and this is something that just gets so badly buried, and when you have that balance, when you're able to give teams multiple looks, that is so important. That's the reason why I'm becoming a little bit more bearish right now on the Buffalo Bills, just because with Devin Singletary as their main running back and having Josh Allen be less than 100% on Sunday, I do think that it exposed a few things with them, no doubt about it. It was also a very, very strange end to that game as well, one that I don't know if we're ever going to see anything quite like that again. There was the first time that a defensive touchdown led to a team that was leading in the, or was trailing in the final minute, go to leading in the final minute of a game since the miracle in the Meadowlands with Herm Edwards way back in the 1970s while he was playing for the Jets. I mean, that's how long it had been. So that shows you just how historic of a game it was. But I feel like the more we see, the less we know as well. Because I mean, who expected coming into the season that we'd be sitting here with the New York Giants at 7-2, and two, the Eagles being the last undefeated team? I think many of us thought that the Eagles had a lot of upside and that they would be rock solid. But them being this good, I think is a little bit of a surprise. Right now, the Buffalo Bills, they're technically third in their own division because keep in mind, the Buffalo Bills, they lost to the New York Jets earlier this season. So those two teams sitting at 6-3 and three with the Miami Dolphins at 7-3, and three, the Bills are technically third in their own division. So, I mean, it's just been really interesting to take a look at what we've all gotten this season. And with the Washington Commanders, could they be a team that rises up, is able to make the playoffs, could we get all four teams from the NFC East in? I think that that's something that is worth exploring right now because the only way that you get wildcard teams that aren't in the East right now, in my opinion, is really the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. Are you confident that, confident that the Seattle Seahawks are going to be able to maintain? I do think so because I take a look at the loss against Tampa Bay. A little bit of a wonky spot. They were really getting it going prior to that. Four straight wins. Defense has been able to rise up quite a bit. I like what I've seen out of Geno Smith. And you take a look at the remaining schedule going up against for the Seattle Seahawks, the Rams, the Las Vegas Raiders, Carolina Panthers. And then they also do have a few tough games against the likes of the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs that being on the road. But I do think that the Seattle Seahawks, they've got a good shot. But with this Washington Commanders team, it's all about fit for them. And with the Commanders as well, the best quarterback that they've got is the guy that they had all along. They really didn't need to pick up a quarterback this offseason. I think we're now seeing just how much of a liability Carson Wentz is to his respective teams. We saw it with Philadelphia, ironically enough. We saw it with the Indianapolis Colts. Now we're seeing it with the Washington Commanders. Now that they have went to Taylor Heineke, they've been putting up Heineke and saying cheers to that. They're now 3-1 and one ever since he has taken over for them. So it has been a very good run. Now give a little bit of credit where credit is due. You've got other guys who have been able to rise up for this Commanders team. The defense has been able to do a rock-solid job as well. But this is a Commanders team that they look to be just firing in all cylinders and it's exactly what the doctor ordered for them. A good balanced run game coupled with a quarterback that is making smart decisions, a quarterback that doesn't have to air it out overly much. That is very good. And that's really the shift that we're seeing with the commanders because I mentioned it with not having a quarterback that needs to do a whole heck of a lot with Taylor Heineke. He has not thrown more than 33 times in any of his starts thus far this season. Meanwhile, you know what? Carson Wentz did in all but one of his starts, his last start coming against the Chicago Bears. In all the starts, except for the start against the Chicago Bears, threw the ball at least 38 times. Sometimes with the pass, 
Less is more, and I think that that's something that is very important to keep in mind, and it has really been a hallmark this year with so many games going under the total. This was one of those rare primetime overs. It's an over that I personally did like, so I do think that that's very important to take a look at. And, and then the other thing that I really noticed for Monday, you guys may recall my DK Nation pick. It was on Chattanooga, and when I was on this show, they were getting between three and four points if you took that opener that it on the close, they were laying anywhere between two and a half and three points. And I think that there's two philosophies in terms of middling. You can be someone like myself. And I personally am taking a look at this a little bit more as well, because I'm always someone that doesn't like to middle too much just because I don't want to cancel out a losing bet. But I think it all depends upon the spot itself. And it's something that I personally probably need to do a little bit more of too, because when it came to the game that I gave out in terms of Charleston versus Richmond for one. The fact that we saw right around like a six-point line movement, that's absolutely ridiculous. It's something that you very rarely see, regardless of the sport. And college basketball typically has big sort of jumps in terms of line. You see big moves overnight, but it was a game where College of Charleston up 21 points. They have to go to overtime. Charleston, they get the job done in overtime. Closing line of two and a half to three. If you took the points with Richmond, you got there. If you took the money line with Charleston at a plus price very early on in the AM, if you took the points, what have you, you got there as well. So always something to keep in mind. And it's always nice when you're able to get those both sides, I guess you could call it winners, if you took Richmond late or if you took Charleston early. And guys that always do a great job of finding us winners, Matt Landis of the Props and Ops podcast, along with Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus, they join me next to put a bow on week 10 and turn it forward to week 11 in the NFL season next. Here on the Great Peterson Experience on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around a lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. 
I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network. The World Cup countdown is on, and now is the time to get your copy of our World Cup betting guide. We've got in depth analysis from Nigel Seeley on all eight groups. The VSN team of experts is going to be providing their picks and predictions for every group and the Golden Boot Award. And now, if you're a little bit new to the soccer betting world, don't worry, Josh Applebaum, he will be breaking everything down that you need to know. The only way is to get the guide by becoming a VSIM Pro subscriber. Sign up now for just $99. VSIM Pro Access gives you everything that we do all the way through the Super Bowl. Sign up today at vsim.com slash subscribe. And if you want a little bit more soccer betting insight, check out our World Cup betting preview show on YouTube. Just subscribe to VSIN on YouTube as it is a Greg Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. And great to have on our panel of men that do a great job taking a look at the NFL. Matt Landis over there at the Props and Ops podcast. And we've also got Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus. Gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. And we're going to dive into some other things in a minute or two, more broad things. But first things first, I just want to get your reaction from Monday Night Football, Matt, because I take a look at this commander team, and with having out there Taylor Heineke now, it just feels like a completely different team. And we, I think that we would all be in agreement. We didn't expect the Eagles to win the Super Bowl undefeated or anything like that. But I take a look at this commander team, and my biggest takeaway is not necessarily that the Eagles lost. It's that the commanders might be feisty moving forward in the NFC. Yeah, and full disclosure, right off the top, I spent much of the Monday Night Football game catching up on the two-part season premiere of Yellowstone because my Chargers were in primetime last night when the show aired live. I guess I should have figured this was going to be the result, though. This felt like the most classic Monday Night Football epitome in 2022, (laughs) a double-digit dog winning outright by double digits given the end game there. And, Greg, one thing I will say that catches my attention with Washington You mentioned Heineke maybe giving them a nice spark under center. I think they're just embracing variance in a way. I mean, with Carson Wentz, there seem to be plenty of negative variance lurking around the corner all the time. But Heineke tends to pick his spots and have a decent understanding of when it's time to take a shot, even if that's not his forte, play in and play out. And just being a little bit more smart and by picking their battles, feel like Washington, you know, five and five doesn't sound great. But given where they were a few weeks ago, they're absolutely taking it now in in a crowded NFC playoff picture, um, you know, I got to think that NFC East, boy, uh, that that might as well be (laughs) what we thought the AFC West was going to be prior to the season kicking off. By the way, I also got in a tweet because I was talking about perhaps the NFC could have all wildcard teams from the NFC East. If the season ended today, 
every wild card in the AFC would be from the AFC East as well. So we could see all East teams in both conferences be the division or be the wild card teams, which would be absolutely insane. And want to give this to you as well, Ben, because I know that you do a great job of taking a look at this. But I feel like with the Commanders, they're just playing a little bit different under Taylor Heineke. And the one thing that I looked at is that Heineke has yet to throw more than 33 passes in a game. Meanwhile, for Carson Wentz, in all but one of his starts, and that would be that ugly Bears game that we saw, he attempted at least 38 passes. And is there something to just teams attempting a few fewer passes actually having more success as a result? Yeah, I think if you can get the, you know, obviously favorable third down situations where you don't necessarily have to throw the down, throw the throw the football in every single one of those plays, uh, you're going to be much better off playing ahead of the change in a, lot, in a lot of situations. But that's actually, I would say, not really what we saw from Washington here tonight. I think they had a number of, you know, third and third and medium to third and long type situations, especially in the first half, definitely break their way and, and kind of continue to be able to extend drives with Taylor Heineke, you know, making a through a few throws downfield to Terry McLaurin. So I, I, I do think that there is more value, I would say in rushing the football in 2022, but uh, I think long-term, especially when we get into the playoffs, you know, it, it's very much going to be the teams at the top that can throw the football consistently from a clean pocket uh, that are going to be the ones that I think end up getting to the Super Bowl and eventually winning the Lombardi Trophy. So I still think those are the teams that you have to buy into uh, long term here. But uh, it, it's very much, I would say, made for some, you know, exciting, you know, gyrations week in and week out with a lot of these, you know, upsets and everything else happening because, you know, teams are, you know, getting put in uncomfortable situations and maybe aren't necessarily built to, you know, play from behind in a lot of these situations. No doubt. And to your point, I don't think that you need like a top five quarterback per se, because we have seen guys like Joe Flacco and company be able to win Super Bowls. And at the same time, you typically don't see someone like Daniel Jones win the Super Bowl as well. So I do think that there's sort of a line of demarcation. You don't need to be the top of the top, but at the same time, you can't be necessarily only throwing the ball 10 times as well. So probably somewhere in the middle there. And then Matt, I know that you were talking about the fact that your team played on primetime on Sunday, the chargers. Well, I was on them and I got a very fortunate cover. Thank you very much. Elijah Mitchell for not being able to find your footing. So I owe you a beer when you come out to Las Vegas, but that said, what did you take away from that game? Because honestly, I liked what I saw from the Chargers in the first half slash three quarters of that game. And then the 49ers, they showed why there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of promise around them as well. So honestly, I left taking away that both of these teams do have a little bit of upside and I feel a little bit better about the Chargers now. Yeah, and Greg, depending on the number you got, you may want to buy Robbie Gold a beer as well <laughs> after that mixed extra point. Cost a lot of Niners betters last night. And I think one of my biggest takeaways from this game was the value of depth in the NFL, especially now that we're into a 17-game regular season. The Chargers started out great. The scripted plays went really well. Ultimately, I think we saw a war of attrition in the trenches. The Chargers were shallow on the defensive line going into the game, lost two more key cogs over the course of that Sunday nighter against the Niners. And on San Francisco's side of things, I feel like we're starting to see a little bit of load management trickle in. It's almost as if they're absorbing some of the Warriors MO by osmosis up there in the Bay Area because the NBA's concept of load management seems to be trickling into what the Niners are doing, specifically out of the backfield. I think that if you were to tell me the Niners would run the ball 39 times for 155 yards, excluding a couple of Jimmy G kneel downs at the end of the game, 
I would have felt like I didn't bet enough on Christian McCaffrey to go over his rushing yardage total. The props had him anywhere from 74 and a half at open to a close around 82 and a half. Again, 39 attempts for 155 yards for the team. Christian McCaffrey being the feature back. That would sound pretty good, but ultimately he only ran the ball 14 times for 38 yards and he didn't need to carry the load. Elijah Mitchell back from injury. I know he tripped up there near the end of the game, but 18 (laughs) carries for 89 yards looked pretty good. Debo Samuel doing his thing, four carries for 27 yards. Jimmy G getting involved a little bit. I think one of my biggest takeaways, aside from just the macro concept of depth, on a more micro level for Christian McCaffrey prop betting, yes, he's a superstar running back on a really good team with an elite run game. But I think we need to be careful rushing to bet Christian McCaffrey rushing props over moving forward, because as good as he is, as good as that team is, as good as the Kyle Shanahan scheme is, ultimately, they don't have to just give the ball to him. And that can be tough as a fan watching any one game wanting to see the star dominate. But for the Niners, bigger picture, I think that can be a great thing, given McCaffrey's injury history, given the extended length of the season these days. I feel like their new shiny toy might be fresher than I would have anticipated for a playoff run that the Niners appear to be surging toward. Yep, and that could be very beneficial because you know what? Maybe like three or four fewer touches a game for Christian McCaffrey, but actually having him healthy in Week 18 and into the playoffs, I'm sure that the San Francisco 49ers will sign up for that every single time. And I want to get your thoughts on this 49ers team as well, Ben, because I just take a look at them and I'm impressed by all the weapons that they've got. And I feel like there were a few people that were maybe a little bit too far down on Jimmy G as well. Once again, another one of those quarterbacks that we're not going to be calling him elite. We're not going to be putting him in the top 10, but we know that he's not going to royally screw up a game as well, which that's, that has value in my opinion, but I do take a look at this 49ers team and I do think that they are built to be able to win in the postseason as well. We have seen that time and time again out of them and I thought it was a really interesting Sunday night game to say the least because it was probably a little bit misleading as to how the spread shook out. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm definitely in agreement with, with you, right? I think Matt kind of touched on this as well, but uh, you know, there's almost not enough football or touches to go around with so many offensive weapons that they have at their disposal. Disposal, and thankfully, you know, all of them kind of, I would say, play into Jimmy Garoppolo's strength, right? High yards after the catch type ability and kind of create plays in space. So I think offensively, uh, you know, they're very much, I would say, you know, in that discussion for being one of the best offenses in the NFL, even without, you know, uh, the elite level type quarterback that we kind of are, you know, so used to and kind of want to gravitate towards, you know, in some ways from a betting perspective. But, you know, the real thing for me is defensively, you know, I think finally they're starting to get back healthy a little bit. Obviously, Nick Bosa, you know, generating the pressure that they need in order to kind of get off the field on third and long type situations. But their secondary as well, I would say, you know, it is finally kind of starting to come back into the fold. And I think that, you know, with both offensive and defense, they look like, you know, easily they could be, uh, you know, one of the most, if not the most complete team in the NFC right now. And I think for that reason alone, you know, you very much have to, you know, expect some sort of, uh, you know, I would say pretty decent setup for them to potentially get into, uh, you know, the Super Bowl from the NFC. So I think, you know, very much right now, uh, the play is, is like who is going to end up with home field advantage in both of these conferences. And if they do, and, and, and if you can kind of choose that one, that those two teams correctly, uh, you know, you're very much, I would say, going to be set up well for some future bets when that all sounds I do agree with you. I think that that is very important to take a look at if you're looking a little bit more from a futures perspective and something that is going to be shaping that market a bit more as well. What we're going to be seeing in week 11, we're going to be rejoined next by Ben Brown over at Pro Football Focus and Matt Landis of the Props and Ops Podcast to take a look at those week 11 games next here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. 
experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of the Great Peterson Experience, it is presented by Zen Nickname Pouches, which is the surprisingly simple way to enjoy nickname. Look, most nickname pouches, they're either too complicated to use or they don't provide the satisfaction that you're looking for. But Zen Nickname Pouches, they might surprise you. Zen is made with six simple ingredients and is completely tobacco leaf free. Plus, it offers up to one hour of nicotine satisfaction per pouch by Zen Nickname pouches online or find a store that is nearest you that's going to be at zin.com that is zyn.com warning that this is a product that contains nicotine and nicotine it is an addictive chemical as we're back here on the greg peterson experience on visa and the sports bank network being rejoined by matt landis of the props and ops podcast and ben brown of pro football focus and this is a game that we were discussing a little bit if you guys have anything on either of these teams for this week let me know but i'll start out with this for you ben because the New York Giants, they got a win against the Houston Texans. They were able to cover the number. They were able to get it all done, and it just continues to be a theme that I take a look at the just underlying numbers of the Giants and not even the underlying numbers, just the basic numbers with the Giants, and it's like, man, nothing is adding up in terms of the 7-2 record and what we are seeing. Have you been able to come up with any ghosts of anything whatsoever as to what has led to this Giants being 7-2 because I just keep taking a look at it and I'm like, man, I recognize that this is an improved team from last season, but I don't know how they're 7-2. Right. I mean, yeah, putting your finger on, you know, why or how the, the, the New York Giants have arrived at the 7-2 record, I think, is one of the more perplexing things we've seen through the first 10 weeks of the season. But it's, you know, you, you look across the board from an EPA perspective, from, you know, a PFF perspective, and they are very much, I would say, league average and kind of everything, right? I think they're a little bit better from, you know, a rush defense standpoint and obviously have been very successful, you know, with Saquon Barkley running the football. But it's uh, it's it's a team that I would say has very much, you know, outperformed uh, the expectation. And I think that, you know, in evaluating them, the betting market, I would say, is still very much kind of pricing that uncertainty into them. So I do think if you maybe can either find something or just think that they're, you know, maybe somewhat random success kind of continues, they are going to be a team that you are probably going to want to bet on through the second half of the season as well. But, you know, Saquon Barkley, 35 rushing attempts, you know, 4.3, uh, you know, yards per carry. like. You can win football team football games against, I would say, you know, somewhat lesser competition with those kind of stats, right? And don't really need a whole lot from uh, from from Daniel Jones. But I think, you know, when it's all said and done, uh, you know, when they are kind of battling through, uh, you know, the second half of their schedule, we have them with, you know, the ninth most difficult schedule remaining. Uh, I think we're really going to find out how good this team is, and I think that you know if if you do buy into them, uh, you know maybe it's some sort of advanced metric that we're not necessarily looking at, or something that does put them you know a little bit of ahead of the curve. Uh, they're very much going to be a value spot, I would say, that you could probably you know almost blindly bet for the second half of the season if there is something you know that sticks out to you. But for me, uh, they're a team that I can't really put my finger on too well how they've been so successful. So uh, I'll mainly be either off them or fading them. I would say. And I will throw this to you, Matt, as well, because right now we're finding them against a Lions team that, well, they pretty much have the opposite record right now of the of the New York Giants as the Lions have only three wins. On the road, the, the Lions are between a three and three and a half point underdog. And when's the last time you've ever seen a team like the Giants, who is seven and two, be only a three to three and a half point home favorite against a Lions team that 
They only have three wins. I feel like this might play into what Ben was saying, where the Giants, yes, they're seven and two straight up, also seven and two against the spread, I think Ben said in between segments. And that just tells us the market's not bought in yet. And he touched on a lot of reasons why, if we're looking for advanced numbers to support the Giants being where they are, we can't find it. There's something that came to my mind as Ben was trying to explain to the best extent that we can <laughs> how the Giants have gotten to where they are. And instead of trying to dig too deep into anything analytically, if I zoom way out and take a hard pivot the other way, I know that in baseball, there's the saying, if you have four average pitchers, four average pitches, you're an above average starting pitcher. And I wonder for the Giants, if they are just kind of average at everything, you definitely want to have the best offense you possibly can, especially the best passing game, because that tends to be the most sticky week after week, year after year. But if you don't have any glaring deficiencies, that alone right now is taking teams pretty far in the NFL. And I think the Giants might embody that quite well. I do question, as I put my analyst hat back on, just how sustainable this could be. I mean, yesterday against the Texans at home, outgained by almost a yard per play, late down variants working in their favor. The Giants 7 for 14, converting third and fourth downs compared to just 3 for 10 for Houston. Red zone, the Giants 2 for 2. The Texans 1 for 6. Had to double check that one. <laughs> Giants also plus 2 in turnovers. So that would have me looking Detroit's way initially. But Greg, as you touched on with this point spread, given who these two teams are, I think the doubts on the Giants are kind of priced into this number at this stage. If anything, I might be inclined to give Houston a bit of a bump off of a loss and a failure to cover. They were prior to Monday night kicking off, catching two and a half against Washington. I thought that might have the makings of an attractive teaser leg. At this stage, after Washington's win, I'm expecting, you know, when reopeners become more widely available, probably some decent opportunities just to take a three. I don't know if this line would cross all the way through the three to plus three and a half at home for Houston against Washington. But the commanders tonight, I mean, 22 third and fourth down attempts. They had a great conversion rate, making 13 first downs out of those 22 attempts. Anytime you have third and fourth down that many times, it means you're not that good of an offense that you can't move the chains on first or second down. So we talked about it off the top. What Washington's doing is fun. But I think that if anything from the Giants-Texans game yesterday, I don't know what to make of it for Giants-Lions. If anything, it has me leaning Houston's way for the Texans hosting Washington in week 11. And Matt, you mentioned teasers and... Boy, oh boy, is there no shortage of interesting teasers that you can go with. Most of them, you're going up through the three and the seven with underdogs because right now we're finding Denver as a two and a half point favorite. I know that we've got Washington right now against the Houston Texans as a two and a half point favorite. We shall see if that is going to be withholding or not with the Minnesota Vikings. They're about a one point underdog. I'm seeing a straight one and a half here at Circa right now as well. And then you've got the San Francisco 49ers as an eight point favorite to go with a little bit more of a traditional teaser. So there's a lot on the board. Is there anything that you're taking a look at in terms of teasers for this week? Yeah, haven't played anything quite yet. If I did right now, it would be the Vikings and the Niners taking the Vikings up to plus seven and a half, where those plus one and a halfs are out there for the full game spread, as you mentioned, Circa being one of those books. And then the Niners, uh, pretty similar, I think, in terms of the handicap against the Chargers, where they just have so many paths to victory against a team like Arizona, that one being played in Mexico. So a neutral site, don't know what to expect of the crowd in that one yet, haven't really dug in. But I feel like San Francisco is probably not going to be at any sort of a disadvantage there. So I think that with the Vikings-Cowboys game in particular, I'm really curious to see how the market unfolds. Minnesota, it's really in vogue for analysts right now to say, hey, are the Vikings really good? We know they're 8-1, but are they a good team? Kind of like the Giants example on steroids. And while the Vikings have gotten plenty of breaks this season, 
Yesterday, variants worked against them in two critical moments, and they overcame it. There was the Gabe Davis catch on the Bills' last-minute drive that should have been looked at and, in fact, overturned, and that enabled the Bills to kick a field goal to go ahead and force overtime. And then in overtime, the Vikings in a goal-to-go situation have a three-yard loss on a play. Well, it turns out it's easier to defend with 12 players on the field when the <laughs> offense only has 11. And Buffalo got away with 12 players on the field. Should have been flagged first and goal to one for the Vikings. Instead, Minnesota kicks a field goal to prolong the game, give Buffalo another drive. So the Vikings, yes, they've gotten plenty of breaks, but some rough officiating going against them yesterday in Buffalo, and they overcame it quite well. And when I look at Dallas, some defensive injuries raising some red flags. I heard the athletic football show do a good breakdown today. Micah Parsons not injured himself as far as I know, but some injuries to that back seven, kind of forcing him out of position in the sense of him having to drop off the line of scrimmage, play more of that classic linebacker role, taking away what he does best for that defense. And then in the secondary, some issues popping up. So I feel like Minnesota, yeah, they're not the best eight and one team ever, but I don't know if they should be a clear underdog hosting the Cowboys, given where these two teams are right now. I agree with you. And then I want to get your thoughts on this game, Ben, because I just take a look at it. And with everything that we saw, the Cowboys being on the road once again, Minnesota flying high off of a massive win against the Buffalo Bills, them being a very slight underdog in most books at home, it to me doesn't feel right, especially with Minnesota and how successful they've been at home since they left the Metrodome. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that if you're playing it right now, the Vikings are probably the correct side. I do think there is some injury, uh, you know, I would say concerns from the Vikings, specifically Christian Derrissaw, who has been, you know, very much, I would say, one of the best uh, left tackles in the NFL so far this season. I think he's like third in our, you know, our war metric PFF's perspective. He is in, con- he's in the concussion protocol right now. Very much questionable. I would say uh, Zadarius Smith, who I think has kind of been the guy uh, for them from a pressure situation as well, has been playing very well, very, you know, highly above average uh, pass rush grade so far from PFF's perspective. He's questionable as well with the leg injury. So I think, you know, from my perspective, I'm probably waiting a little bit more to get some information on that. Like Matt said, there are some injury concerns, especially in the back after the the Cowboys, you know, uh, the linebacker crew specifically with Anthony Barr. If he's in the fold, uh, I do think that opens up Michael Parsons to kind of get back to his normal positioning every single play. And if that happens, you know, Christian Derrissaw, uh, this looks like maybe a little bit of a rebound spot for the Dallas Cowboys in my opinion. I think that this is going to be a terrific game, and we always get great information from Ben Brown, who does great work at Pro Football Focus, and Matt Landis, who does amazing work over there at the Props and Ops Podcast. And we went NFL heavy here to start out with. we got to hit the hardwood next. Give you guys some college basketball plays for Tuesday here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. 
You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to. Oh, uh, mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber Teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, mom. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. on VSN, the sports betting network. Lace up your cleats with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook with the latest odds, lines, and boosts. Bet Rivers is your go to for any soccer related content. Check out Bet Rivers special World Cup promotions like our World Cup futures, insurance bets, and World Cup daily bet and gets. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is calling all soccer fans right now to head to BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app to get in on all the match action. It is a whole new game as we are back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. A big thanks to Matt Landis of the Props and Ops Podcast, along with Ben Brown of Pro Football Focus for joining me the last two segments. It was a very interesting week 10, and it's going to be very fascinating to see what happens in week 11. And got to give a little bit of credit where credit is due because I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I want to give a little bit more credence to it. One of the people that actually chimes in with the show at UMD Terps 08 actually fired this in because I was talking about, man, you know what? We might see all four teams from the NFC East get into the playoffs. And if the season were to end today, all four teams from the AFC East would be in the playoffs right now with how good the Patriots have been down the stretch. The Jets have gotten off to that 6-3 start. The Bills are 6-3. The Miami Dolphins, they lead the division at 7-3. Absolutely bonkers that we could see all East teams make the playoffs. That would certainly be something. So I'm sure that the folks over there in the offices of the NFL would be very, very happy if that would be the playoffs. So we shall see if that happens there. And what we shall also see on is a great college basketball slate as well. And I do want to pass this along as well. 
There was apparently some sort of clock issues that were going on in the Utah Tech versus Washington game. Looks like those got rectified. If you had the over, you were able to get there. Washington does not cover those. 78 to 67 the final. So total of 142 to 143 goes over. Washington lane 15 to 15 and a half comes up snake eyes. So I want to pass that along because I know that I was getting a few questions about that. But let's dive into what should be a very good day of college basketball on Tuesday. And we're going to lead it off with the Champions Classic. This is going to be at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. This is 6-11, 6-12 on the board. It is Kentucky. They're going to be playing out some Michigan State. Michigan State opened up in most places right around about a 6 to a six half point underdog. I'm seeing pretty much sevens across the board. One stray seven half here at Circa. Rest of the board is seven. Total on this game is 141 and a half. And at seven, it's pretty much a max. I'd be willing to lay with Kentucky, but I'm going to be willing to lay it. Now, the $1 million question, actually. I don't know how much Oscar Shibwe made in... Name, image, and likeness. I think it was a little bit north of $2 million. So we'll call that the north of $2 million question is whether or not Oscar Shibway is going to be out there. Tom Izzo says that he is 99% sure, according to Graham Couch, who covers the Michigan State Spartans over there at the Lansing State Journal, that he is going to play. I'm thinking we see Oscar Shibway. I don't think we see a ton of Oscar Shibway. I think that he's probably going to be in the fold in some former capacity, and that's going to be big for them. But even if you don't get a lot out of Oscar Shibway, we've seen it in the first two games for this Kentucky team. They're very deep. They bring in Livingston, their good freshman, who's able to be a six foot six, nice little combo player for this team. And Kentucky, the one issue I've had with them in recent years is that really other than Tyler Hero, they haven't had a lot of shooting in recent years. They have been able to do a good job of being able to address that. Antonio Reese and CJ Frederick, these are a pair of guys that come in from the Midwest. These are guys that can stroke it from three. Both of these guys, I wouldn't be surprised if they shoot over 40% from distance for the season. Jacob Toppin has become much more versatile for the team. They had Xavier Wheeler. Missy first game of the season. He's back. He's able to give you six-plus assists per contest. Does a nice job of being able to run the show. Now, Damian Collins is dealing with a little bit of an injury as well. It seems a little bit more opti- or a little bit less optimistic that he is going to be out there. But I also want to see what Kaysen Wallace is able to deliver as well. He's a six foot four guard. And this Kentucky team, they're really able to go right around nine if needed. I think that they can go 10 deep. And Michigan State, we were talking about it in the last segment with Matt Landis along with Ben Brown. They're one of those teams that, once again, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. We're talking about this with how it's been successful in the NFL. College basketball, a little bit less so because they just don't have that one guy that they could turn to when they need a bucket. With Michigan State, it's nice that you've got someone like a Ty Walker that's able to give you four assists per contest. Jaden Akins was someone that I thought was going to be able to make that big leap from freshman to sophomore season, but he went down with a little bit of injury. So he has been a little bit hobbled, not too terrific on that front. You've been able to have Joey Hauser give you some more rebounding, but he's inconsistent. Jackson Kohler, I think at six foot nine, he's going to be rock solid moving forward, but he needs a little bit of seasoning as well. If there is one guy that I like, it's A.J. Hogarth. He's been able to do a good job of building out the ball, but with Michigan State, just that lack of a go-to guy, it is very glaring, and I feel like it costed them a little bit in that Gonzaga game, and if you ask me, I think that the game that we saw against Gonzaga, we have to toss it out just a little bit because... That was a very strange outdoor game that you could tell that the wind was having an effect on everything. And 
That's the sort of game that Michigan State is going to be looking to play. If Michigan State is going to win this game, they need to make this thing sloppy. They need to make this thing very slow. And I do think that Kentucky is going to be a very supreme team on defense as well. So this is going to be a circumstance, especially with this being a neutral court game, in which I'm going to be taking a look at the under on. I set my total more around about a 135.5. So diving under with Kentucky. I made them the 7.5 point favorite. 7 is the max I'm willing to lay, but I'm going to be willing to lay it with them. We're going to be giving you guys the other game in the Champions Classic a little bit later, but let's go to another game that is technically on a neutral court, but that said, let's call it what it is. We do have a clear home team here. It is 633-634 on the betting board. South Dakota State, they are going to be playing against St. Bonaventure at the same for Pentagon as in the state of South South Dakota, and that is in Sioux Falls, actually. So technically a home game for South Dakota State as they are a five-point favorite against Zabani's Donald's game. DraftKings, I'm seeing it at a 142. Most other books, I'm seeing more around a 143. But when it comes to St. Bonaventure, I set them as a 9.5 point underdog, something that I always like to do here in the early part of the college basketball season. Pick on these teams that they've got a whole bunch of new and moving parts. And there is no team in the country that has more new and moving parts than St. Bonaventure. They lose 99.9% of their scoring last year. And if you want to get really technical, I think it's 99.99% of their scoring. It's really bad. They're having to throw out there Anquan Hill from Fairleigh Dickinson down low. Kyrell Luch was someone that was relatively solid while he was at Holy Cross last season, but massive step up in competition for him. You're just able to go down the line. And it's like, man, not great. Chad Venning, who was getting like, I think it was three to four rebounds per game in the MEAC. He's one of their main low post players right now. Meanwhile, for South Dakota State, they do lose quite a bit from last season. Baylor Shireman is no longer in the fold. You lose just Douglas in the front court for this team as well, but you still have Alex Arians along Charlie Easley. Both of these guys have been ice cold to begin the season from three-point range, but this is a pair of guys that last season, they combined average 16 points per contest and shot about 49 to 49 and a half percent from three-point range. Zeke Mayo, he's able to give the team nine points, five rebounds, a couple assists. I like his game. Matt Detlinger, among qualifying D1 players two seasons ago, he ranked at the top 35 in terms of field goal shooting percentage. South Dakota State is just a factory. They bring in Michael Morris. He's a former top 200 recruit that was at Wisconsin last season. You've got a lot of good chemistry. You've got a lot of good shooting. When it comes to South Dakota State, for St. Bonaventure, Dr. Schmidt does a very good job of being able to coach up this team. That said, Dr. Schmidt has a big, big, giant just issue on his hands. Nobody is back from last season. I think that this is a terrible spot for St. Bonaventure, and they played this game in February. Maybe St. Bonaventure is able to give a little bit of a little bit more fight. That said, I don't think that they're going to be able to do so here. I am laying the points with South Dakota State. I set them as a 9.5 point favorite. This line moving in favor of South Dakota State makes all the sense in the world. I think South Dakota State, with their up-tempo, whole bunch of three styles, it does win out in this spot. Set my total at 146, so I'm going to be taking a look at the over as well. We'll say out there in the Dakotas for this one. 629, 630 on the betting board. I'll give this one to you real quick. North Dakota, they're playing against Pacific. Pacific is a road 5 to 5.5 point favorite in your total on this game. In between 147 and 147.5. Pacific went 4 and 22 and 2 against the spread last season. They're now 2 and 0 against the spread, and I think that they go to 3 and 0. I want to lay 6 here with Pacific, up to 6 with them, just because they brought in a bunch of pieces in the offseason to be able to fortify this team. They bring in someone like a Jordan Ivy Curry, who is the top scorer at UT San Antonio last season. And for North Dakota, the one way that you're able to take advantage of Pacific is by having rebounding because Pacific is, does not have a single guy in the roster that has been registering more than four rebounds per contest. And Sasone Sarciste from the country of Georgia 
is the only guy that has really given the team more than five rebounds per game. They ranked in the bottom three in all of college basketball last season in terms of defensive efficiency. That is merely the amount of points that you give up on a per-possession basis. Caleb Nero does not look like himself. He's a transfer from Weber State. They lost Paul Bruns from last season. This is just a sad and pathetic program right now, and that's unfortunate because North Dakota, I believe, made the NCAA tournament in like the 2016 dance. It looked like things were turning around. Then they lose guys like Ethan Okapanu and company, and it's just not great. I like the over, and I do like Pacific, and I like my pro tip for this hour. Beeson.com slash subscribe. You're able to get all of these, and I was talking about it with middling in hour number one. It's different strokes for different folks. Those of you guys that you do middle, you've got the chance to be able to win both bets. And at the same time, you can cancel out a winning bet by middling as well. So just find what's comfortable for you, whether you do middle or you do not middle. And coming up in hour number two, giving you guys my DK Nation pick for college basketball for Tuesday here on the Great Peterson Experience on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. But the six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At- 